Will you please uh, either look in the bulletin or, or in your Bible as we read uh, the scriptures, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fit, uh, fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. You know, there's a popular hymn It says, When we all get to heaven. Well, one of the benefits of getting to heaven will be that all of our theological differences will be gone and us Presbyterians will reign supreme. <laughs> well, my brand of Presbyterians, maybe not somebody else's, you know, let's be honest here. Uh, but between now and then, I, th I really believe it's the duty of Christians to be as biblically correct as possible in their theology because your theology reflects your view and attitude of God. Now, the area of baptism divides many Christians, mainly because we really don't study it very much. And the division is not just between denominations. Confusion exists within denominations, including the PCA. Now, the fullest description of Jesus' baptism is in Matthew chapter 3. Matthew was a Jew, writing primarily to Jews. So the original author was Jewish, the original audience was Jewish. And this is true also of when Matthew wrote his gospel, a Jew writing to Jews. See, neither Mark chapter 1 or Luke chapter 3, written primarily to Gentiles, give us the information about Jesus' baptism that Matthew does. Now, we know that most Protestant churches have two sacraments, and we really should understand these two sacraments as much as is humanly possible. Now, the Bible teaches us why and how we baptize. The topic is so complex that we cannot cover all aspects of it in one sermon, but I do believe we can take a few minutes and look at this particular baptism and try to understand why and how it was done. A lot of people said they want to be baptized as Jesus was. Well, that sounds pretty good, but they assume certain things when they say that. They assume primarily that his baptism is an example to follow, and it's not an example for us to follow for, uh, for our baptisms within uh, the church. Jesus had very definite reasons both to be baptized and to be baptized by John in particular. The Jews of the, of the time understood this. Matthew only had to say a certain few words about it. They knew the Old Testament, and they understood the procedure. Now, Jesus' baptism took place before he started his ministry, and that's very important. He hadn't taught anything on baptism. This is the very beginning, or this happened before he started his ministry. 
John was acting as an Old Testament priest would have acted under the law. No new teaching had taken place prior to this time. Now, let's look at some specific reasons Jesus was baptized and how he was baptized. A lot of people say he was baptized for our sins. Well, just because a lot of people say it doesn't make it so. Here's what some of Jesus did to pay for our sins. Number one, he was born of a virgin. No taint of original sin. Secondly, he lived a sinless life, and he did that on our behalf for us. Third, he died atoningly, and he was resurrected from the dead. He died atoningly, was resurrected from the dead, so that he could be our living, eternal priest, the only mediator between God and man. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 8, refers to Jesus as a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He was a high priestly mediator. Now there's a difference between being baptized by John and John's baptism. John's baptism was for sinners who were repentant. Jesus had not sinned, therefore no repentance required. So Jesus was baptized by John, but he didn't receive a baptism of repentance from John. Now look at our text just a little bit here. Verse 13 says that Jesus came to John to be baptized by John. Verse 14, John tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized. John said, I'm the one that needs to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. Verse 15, and this is important, Jesus said, permit it to be so, for it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. So as soon as Jesus told John that it was necessary for them, the two of them, to fulfill all righteousness, then John immediately baptized Jesus. That's all he had to say. John knew what he was talking about. But for us, what act of righteousness was necessary for them to fulfill? What law was Jesus obeying by being baptized? Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 25 says it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God. To be righteous on our own, we must be obedient to all of the law. Now, I'm not even hinting it works righteousness. Jesus, though, to be our substitute, had to keep the whole of the law perfectly. We couldn't do it. We failed in Adam and Eve. We don't stand a chance of doing that. Now remember, keeping this in context, Jesus hadn't started his ministry yet. John was an Old Testament priest under the Old Testament law. That's all he knew. He had to keep it. Then Galatians chapter 4 and verse 14 says, When the time had fully come, God sent his son born under the law 
to redeem those under the law. And John chapter 1 in verse 31 explains John's baptism of Jesus. He says, for this purpose, I came baptizing with water so that Christ might be revealed to us. What revelation was made at this point uh, with this baptism about Jesus Christ? When Jesus was baptized, he was fulfilling a particular law, and it's important to us in our understanding of Jesus what law it was. Let me just give you a few of the laws that relate to this baptism that Jesus kept. First off, uh, uh, circumcision was required by the law. In Leviticus chapter 12, in verse, 30, uh, verse 3, it says, On the eighth day, all male children are to be circumcised. It was fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, in verse 21. On the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised. The law of Passover, it was commanded in uh, Exodus chapter 34 and verse 23 and following, and it says several times that three times a year, all males must appear before the Lord, and then it describes uh, Passover being given. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 41 and verse 42, uh, talking about Jesus, it says his parents went to the feast of Passover when he was 12 years old. The Feast of Tabernacles, it was commanded in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 23, and it was fulfilled in John chapter uh, 7, the first 15 verses. Now I could continue showing you more and more of the law that Jesus fulfilled, but you get the picture, you get the idea, and these all relate in one way or another to this action that took place of his baptism. Now going back to uh, uh, John chapter 3, in verse 11, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. John was preparing the people for Jesus. Verse 14, as I said, when Jesus came, he objected. Verse 15, he says, we, the two of us, must do it to fulfill all, reach, uh, all righteousness. John's whole attitude changed. So at this point in Jesus' life, there was only one law or one action that Jesus had not fulfilled to be a priest. Jesus could not just declare himself a priest without meeting all of the requirements for it. We all acknowledge Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, but we don't give too much thought to how he became the priest. So let's look at where his authority came from to call himself a priest. There were three major requirements for ordination into the priesthood, besides keeping all the law in general. But number one, a man had to be 30 years old in order to become a priest. In Numbers chapter 4, starting at verse 4 through verse 47, the age requirement is mentioned seven times in one chapter. It must be important. Fulfilled in Luke chapter 3 and verse 23, Jesus was 30 years old when he started his ministry. He couldn't start it before then. He couldn't be a priest until he was 30 years of age, even though he was God. Secondly, a priest must be called of God. No man can call himself into the priesthood. 
Aaron's calling in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 1 and Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 1 is a good example of this. And I mention Aaron for a reason. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 4, talking about a priest, he must be called as Aaron was called. Then in verse 5, it says, Jesus did not glorify himself, become a high priest. God said, today I have begotten you. Thirdly, and this is the big one, a priest, in, a man in order to be a priest had to be sprinkled with water by somebody who was already a priest. That's commanded in Numbers chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, referring to becoming a priest. It says, you must be sprinkled by a priest. Both of those things had to take place. In Luke chapter 1, verses 5 and verse 13, we're given John's lineage. He was a priest through his father. He was of the priestly line. John was a priest. So John's baptism of Jesus was Jesus' ordination into the priesthood. And we know that he was a priest. Chapter 4 in verse 14 says, We have a high priest, the Son of God. Now Jesus exercised priestly duties. In Matthew, read through this whole uh, chapter when you have time, but in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 12, it describes Jesus entering the, uh, the temple area and overturning the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Then in verse 13, he referred to the temple area of my house. Then in verse 23 and verse 25, Jesus was asked, by what authority did you do these things within the temple that you called your house? And his answer was John's baptism. He didn't say because I'm God. He didn't say because I'm the son of God. He didn't say God told me to do it. His authority, as far as those people were concerned, was John's baptism. That's when he became a ordained into the priesthood, and from that point on, he could act as a priest. He received authority to act as a priest, and they understood it. If Jesus, for some reason, had been immersed in the water by John, he still would have to have been sprinkled with water in order to fulfill the law. He can't say, well, the law requires me to be sprinkled, but I'm going to do it really good. I'm going to go under the water. He couldn't change Old Testament law for some other particular reason. So there's no commandment in the Old Testament requiring immersion in any religious ritual. And John was an Old Testament priest fulfilling Old Testament law. For John to have immersed Jesus would mean that he and Jesus were confused about the purpose behind Jesus' baptism. And John might have been confused once in a while, but not Jesus. Every law that a priest was required to keep was kept by Jesus. 
if Jesus had not been sprinkled by a priest, that would be the only commandment, a requirement of becoming a priest that Jesus did not keep. In the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, you can go through and you can list all the law that he kept. Not, not to keep that law would make him ineligible to be recognized or to be a priest. So if you want to be baptized as Jesus was, you better be sprinkled. Within the PCA, we do accept immersion as a legitimate form of baptism, but we accept it. Some say the Greek word for baptism means immersion. Saying baptism means immersion is like saying that the word bea means to carry a heavy load. Bear can refer to an animal. You can bear a grudge. Trees bear fruit. You can bear a child. You can bear the blame for something. We can have a bear market and the list goes on. One can be baptized by fire. Uh, Chuck's been baptized by fire a few times lately. <laughs> Jesus challenged his disciples as to whether they could be baptized as he was going to be, as after he had his disciples, he started his ministry. And can you uh, be baptized as I am going to be baptized? He was referring to his upcoming suffering. Context determines the meaning of the word bear and the word baptize. You just can't say the word means one thing. You have to read the context. You know, the only direct commandment that we have concerning baptism is in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. It says, people are to be baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a direct commandment and teaching concerning baptism. You can take that to the bank and into the pulpit and the church and everywhere else. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 18, and in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, it says, Paul stood up to be baptized. If the amount of water was important, we wouldn't be left with Paul standing there to be baptized. Some of my good friends of another persuasion will say, yes, he stood up to be baptized, and then he got down into the water afterwards. All you have to do is add a phrase or two to the scriptures, and you can suit your theology quite well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 2, referring to the nation Israel, it says they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea in the Exodus. They stayed dry. The Egyptians got wet. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 50, Jesus spoke, I have a baptism to be baptized with and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. He had a baptism coming. He had a trial coming. He had a terrific, uh, 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 he had a lot coming. And he was distressed because it hadn't happened yet, a baptism. John the Baptist, as I've said, he was one of the last of the Old Testament prophets. If he were immersing anyone, where is the teaching that John would have been following if he was immersing people for repentance? Remember, no new teaching. Old Testament law. Where in the Old Testament does it even hint that you must be immersed to repent or to be baptized? 
If Jesus were immersed, as I said, he did not fulfill God's requirement for the priesthood. In Leviticus chapter 8, twice it says you must be sprinkled with water. There was no Old Testament requirement for immersion. Do you think Jesus was somehow confused about all that when he went to John at the Jordan? I want to repeat John chapter 1 in verse 31. John says, I came baptizing with water so that Jesus might be revealed. And he was revealed. He was ordained into the priesthood and he immediately started his ministry. Jesus met all the requirements for being a priest. 30 years old, sprinkled with water by a priest. He started his ministry. Matthew, uh, uh, Mark, and Luke all have Jesus immediately being tested by uh, Satan after his ordination. He went through that. He was ordained. He was challenged by Satan. And then he started his ministry. If immersion is based on chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, or if Jesus' baptism is used in any way to support immersion, then it is being misread and being misunderstood. We'll still love you here at Christ the King, and you're not going to get kicked out, but, you know, take it for what it's worth. It's biblical. Verse 16 of, of Matthew chapter 3 is translated several different ways in different translations. And the correct translation of verse 16 is important for our understanding of Jesus' baptism. Those who support the idea that Jesus was immersed quote a translation of the Bible that says Jesus went up out of the water. The NIV says as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. But the ESV, which we use here in the New King James, says when he was baptized, he came up immediately from the water. There's a big difference between coming from something and coming up out of something. In Matthew, the Greek absolutely, definitely says, without a question, that Jesus went from the water, not out of the water. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse 40, when Jesus was on the cross, he was taunted by some of the people saying, come down from the cross. The same word is used here, come from the cross, come from the water. That's what it means, come away from something. That's a good English translation that I just read, but literally it reads, Come away from the cross. Come down would fit, but literally it's come away from the cross. You know, there's a lot of talk about Philip and the Ethiopian coming up out of the water. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 36, Philip and the Ethiopian traveled until they found some water. Verse 37 and verse 38, Philip baptized the Ethiopian. And then verse 39 says, they both came out of the water. So if you're going to say the Ethiopian was immersed and came out of the water, it clearly says they both came out of the water. So if Chuck wants to immerse anybody and be biblical, he better get down in the water with the person. And don't do two or three or four at the same time. You'll be wet and cold, all right? I should have checked with him before I said that. But anyway, for both to come out of the water, 
Both would have had to gone under it. If you want to use that as a proof text for immersion, then you must be consistent and the one doing the baptism must go under the water as the uh, uh, person being baptized. So if you want to say that immersion is the correct and only, or the best way to be baptized, you must find what is plainly taught. For something to be that important, it must be plainly taught that the average person can just pick up the Bible, read it, see it, and understand it. Did Jesus and John uh, know what they were doing or did they start something brand new that had never been taught anywhere in Scripture? So if you want to believe it was immersed, you must find biblical warrant teaching that he was immersed. We've been given proof that Jesus is indeed our high priest, the only one who can intercede for us with God the Father. We can't pray to Mary or Joseph or anybody else because he is the mediator. He is the high priest. He was ordained into the high priesthood, and he started his ministry after that. Now, in conclusion, I want to explain to you how I came to these conclusions that I have put in this message. When I was working on my doctoral thesis, I was writing it on baptism. And I was trying to write a chapter on why Jesus was baptized. And I couldn't find anything anywhere. I couldn't find any reason that I could defend theologically. Because when you defend your thesis, you go up before this panel, and they're like rattlesnakes that can smile. I mean, you know, they're mean, you know. Uh, so anyway, so I was working on that, and I had a lot of notes, and I had a lot of notes written down about his baptism, and I had a lot bouncing around in my head, but I didn't have anything concrete that I could read. I was living in Louisiana at the time, and I was in the basement of the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary Library. I was reading a book, it was written about 1850, and I read a statement, it referred to an author that I couldn't find anything on the author anywhere. All I had was his last name. But it read something like this. The guy says, Thomas was wrong when he said that Jesus' baptism was his ordination into the priesthood. That's all he said, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. I had all this stuff. I had all these notes. I couldn't put it together. But when he said he was wrong, I said to myself, it had to be because I couldn't find anything that anybody had written that I felt as though I could stand in front of a group of theologians and defend myself. And I had to do that. And I was uncomfortable with everything that I read. Uh, I had this chapter, uh, I felt as though I had to have that chapter. If I was going to write on baptism, you can't ignore Jesus. But that chapter was the hardest one that I had to write. So you can take, we, every time now when you talk about Jesus as a high priest, say, I know when he was ordained, I know all the circumstances, I know why he had to be baptized by a priest, I know that he had to be sprinkled by water, you know all these things. You'll probably forget it by tomorrow morning, but anyway, you, you can say, I knew it for a little while. But now, it's our obligation to understand high priest, only mediator. 
you want to repent, you want forgiveness for your sins, you want salvation, you want to experience God's grace, you want all of these things, you want a good relationship with God through Jesus, recognize him for what he is. It's much more than a title. He kept the whole law because we can't do it. So let's look at him as a high priest, treat him as a high priest, treat him as the mediator. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the scriptures, all of the scriptures. Father, help us to understand Jesus to the fullest extent possible. Help us uh, grow in our sanctification on a regular basis. Give us an understanding that increases as time goes along. And Father, we do pray for this church. We pray for Chuck. We pray for everyone here. Father, you've certainly planted a, a rose here in this city. Father, we pray that news of this church would just spread out, that people would be attracted to this church, to the people that are here, to the preaching and the teaching and the fellowship and all of these other things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.